Welcome to your Friday episode of Radio Rehab's new Storyteller series, where I have a guest host on for the entire week. On Friday, as always, it's the end of my run, and we learn how our guest host, which is Colleen O, ended her disease and, and knew that it was time to get clean and sober. We talk about things today like vodka mysteriously disappearing, it happens, and the death of my father and how that impacted her. Have a listen, please. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome back to Radio Rehab. This is our Friday show. This is our last day of the week with our special guest host, Colleen. And uh, we're here, me, Colleen, and producer Shar. We are on location in Sonoma in wine country, where we are currently not drinking. <laughs> I, well, we're not going to, it's not like we're going to drink. Um, what I mean is we're the only three people not drinking in this town right now. I always like to say, like, Sonoma doesn't have a town drunk. They all take turns. Seriously. It, it's like... There's so much, I mean, just straight day drinking going on here. In any other town, these people will be called alcoholics. And I don't mean the sober ones of us. I mean, like, the quote-unquote normal ones. But, yeah, but here they just like wine. But whatever. So we are going to talk about, um, I was, Friday is always the end of my run, is what the episode's called. And um, you and I had talked about this, but we haven't talked about it this week yet. Um, about how the end of your run began with my dad's death which strangely was the beginning of my run with alcohol so oh wow i never thought of that yeah Ooh, right holy sh- yeah wow. right i know well that was um prior to prior to that um i had met a guy who is a vodka connoisseur and we used to get this hanger one vodka which is oh yeah that's the good kind shit. Of special stuff so um, it was a little bit before that. I think that my, uh, switch started turning and I was being a controlled drinker, but, but anyway, so we started, and, and so I started drinking more vodka, you know, instead of wine, but I would have my formula and my promise to myself that, okay, I'm going to go four days with no drinking or five days with no drinking or three days with no drinking. Cause it got, I, my formula was like three days with no drinking, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because those are my work days. Um, and then it, I started, then it started being just Monday and Tuesday. And then sometimes it would be just Monday. And I, um, anyway, when, you know, I had made the promise to myself, was it, was it a Monday that he passed away? Cause I had just I, been with that you guys in the you. hospital the night before. That's yeah. when I went down. Oh, that's I, right. I, just, I gave him a massage, his feet. I massaged his feet. That's right. And I don't I was, remember was, what day of the week it was. It was... I mean, I know it was February 8th. I just don't know what day of the week it was. I wonder if it was a Monday because I I had made my, then again, promise to myself I was going to go five days with no drinking. And I got the call that he had passed away. And I was like, holy shit, what do I do? And I think that was, that's the only blackout I really remember. You know, I mean, I, it's it scared the shit out of me. And that was what, February, was it 8th? When yeah, February 8th. February 8th, and so it was a couple months later, May 30th, that I quit drinking. So so I remember getting up the next day and, uh, I don't know, breakfast, whatever, and I, I don't know if it was that morning or if it was that evening, I opened up the freezer to get out the bottle of vodka and half of it was gone. And I was like, holy shit, I don't remember that. Wow. I don't remember that. And so that's when I was like, 
that was a straight like eight years of my life when I would be like, where the fuck is the vodka? You know, and dude who I was living with would be like, you you drank it, you idiot. You know, like, and I was like, no, I didn't. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did. Yeah, that really, that, that really scared me. And I... Because you had never had an experience like that. Where First of all, you weren't drinking vodka. It was not normal for you to even have vodka. You were a wine drinker. It wasn't normal for you to even have vodka in your house. Exactly. Except I had started dating this guy, so maybe it was like two or three months that the vodka started being around. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't really that long, you know, and I was, I was, I was a wine drinker, but I remember going, holy shit, this is not good. You know, like this is not good. Um, and I didn't do anything about, it. so February to March, March to April. So it was about three and a half months later, um, that I still didn't realize I was an alcoholic, you know, but I got into recovery. So yeah, for me, it was, it was like around that time I, I always ignored, you know, in, um, NA when they would say alcohol is a drug, I'd be like, whatever. Cause I remember a guy once asked me, um, I was like in radio, I went to go see some show. Oh, it was a play. It was a play about, uh, Bradley Knoll, the guy from Sublime called Badfish. Mm-hmm. So he was a heroin addict. So we're watching this play where the actors on stage, you know, having an overdose or whatever. And the guy who I worked in radio with was like, so wait. You're telling me if you just went out, you know, I had like three years clean and sober. He was like, if you just went out and had a beer right now, what, you're telling me you'd shoot heroin the next day? And I really couldn't answer that because that didn't seem right. I really, I was like, hell no. I'm never going to dance with that stuff again. That won't happen. But if I could go back in time and answer the question, it's like, no, if I have a beer right now, um, I hate beer. So I'll start having vodka tomorrow because that's what I like, you know, mixed drinks. And then, you know, at the end of 10 years, I'll be drinking in the morning. Like, yeah. that's what will happen. And then maybe I'll do heroin because I want to die because I'm a miserable, fat-blooded alcoholic. Yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, and it was around, you know, the day my dad died when everybody was sitting at that dinner in Larkspur and they toasted. And I watched everybody get some relief. And that's when I sent Jeremy to the bathroom and said, get me, get a, me double a double dirty martini and leave it by the bathroom. And he yeah. didn't know. I mean, he was in. He was like, "Well, you could drink." I mean, you were a heroin addict, so this is okay, right? And I remember going, "Oh, perfect, yeah, totally." Yeah. You know, he didn't know any better, but yeah, it's like I just wanted that relief that everybody seemed to be having, and then I wanted it all the time. Yeah, because God, it fucking hurt that my dad died. I it can't hurt even imagine so bad. And that was your second dad. Well, I'm, that was my only dad. I didn't yeah. know. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was the second dad I lost, but the other one I never met because it was like a month before I was born. Yeah. And then here's finally my dad, you know, who adopted me and raised me and was my dad. Yeah. And I was just like, just so mad at God. Yeah. Just so, I was just so mad. I can't imagine I would have done the same thing. I mean, I, Yeah. I and I, I remember everybody at the funeral looking at me thinking I'm still sober going, God, you're my hero for staying sober through this. And in my head, I'm like, right. Yeah. Like I would do that. Yeah. You know, but now where I'm standing right now, I would like to think that when I lose somebody in my family, I will handle it with grace, like the grace with I, which I see people in the program handling it with. It's really hard. I lost yeah. in 2014. My dad died. My dog died and my mom died all within six months of each other. And I stayed sober through that. And I can remember talking about it. And, you know, even being sober today, it's really hard to feel all your feelings. Yeah. It's really fucking hard. Life is not a picnic and and everybody's got a different color of whatever it is they have to deal with sober and that's why it's really good to have friends and sponsors and meetings and people to talk to about how hard it is because 
people like us who used to medicate our feelings can't anymore. Yeah. Um, you gotta have something to do. You gotta have an outlet. And then, like, I think the biggest thing is plugging yourself in and being open to that because in my past experience, I would just go, this hurts too bad. There's no way anybody can help me. I'm not going to call anybody. Yeah. And it's like, so I wouldn't even try, you know, I would just take the medication way out. Yeah. But it's like now that I've finally put a good amount of time between, you know, between this and, and back when I was out there, like, I just want to be able to handle it great with grace. Cause I know, you know, I'm going back home, going back to the South to see my grandmother and she's 91 and she's my last living grandparent, and I love her to death, but I know it's just around the corner. She's going to pass away. Yeah, and it's like, I want to handle that with the grace that she would like me to handle that with. And you've got the support now. I do, I have the support now. you've got a sponsor and a great posse of friends, and you go to meetings. And that's actually like when you look at things through the trauma lens. When I started learning about trauma, I was like, oh, that's why meetings work. It's like the tribe, you know, it's like our brain is kind of wired. Our nervous systems are wired to be in tribes or in families back from, really? you know, millions of years ago. Cause you connect, your body connects with other people. That's interesting. Cause I have a girlfriend who's always refers to it as her tribe. It, I need my tribe. I need my tribe of women. Yep. And that's, that's, that's totally what it is. It's like your nervous system keeps track of all these people and so you get to know them and their stories and what they look like. And it's like you walk into a room, like Kennewood's my home group. I walk into that room and I instantly feel at home because there's a bunch of people I know, I've known for 11 years. And they're yeah. always there. And I've, I know their stories and we're all kind of on the same page. And there's something that calms your nervous system down. It's like a, it's like a neurochemical attachment kind of a thing, like have it coming from a good family where people support you and take care of you. And that's the same thing. I think that's why meetings and recovery works, 12-step programs work so well, is that whole piece, it kind of takes care of that whole piece. You're not out there alone. You've got people to talk to. You've got people with you. You've got people to encourage you. You've got people to hold your hand. Yeah, and, like the whole now I can breathe. Yeah, like we have a friend who, who I was talking to her about this because um, she has some trauma too, and she just went, oh, my gosh. I always say I walk into a meeting and I can feel like I can breathe. And I said to her, you know, that's because you feel safe there. You stop holding your breath and you finally do breathe because you, you know all these people. And she just looked at me and she went, oh, my gosh, that's it. Because it's a place where you feel safe. If it is a place where you feel safe. Yeah. You know? I think that's why a home group is so important. So important. And, you know, and if, even if meetings aren't a place that you feel safe, you got to find some place where some you place. feel safe. Especially if you've experienced any kind of trauma or anything in your life. Um, before we have to end, I want to talk about the books that you suggest. So, um, this one, and by the way, if you're listening, we will post pictures of these books, um, or we'll post the titles of the books or whatever on, on the radio rehab page. But so this one is called scared sick, the role of childhood trauma and in adult disease by Robin Carr Morse. I guess that's, how that's pronounced. Yeah. And that, that's kind of based on the ACE study, you know, it, and the ACE study was adverse childhood experience. Oh, okay. There's, there's actually, um, I forget the name of the doctor, but he had a weight loss clinic down in Southern California, like of people who were like super, ob ob yeah, no, no, no. Anyway, people <laughs> who were really, really obese and, uh, the ones that were losing the most weight left the program. And when he followed up, they were victims. Most of them were victims of sexual abuse and childhood trauma and stuff like that. Oh, so if you're interested right. in like the science behind it, that's a good book. Okay. And then there's this one. We're if you want to know what we're laughing at, it's because, uh, producer Shar was taking a picture of me, like, so we could put this up on the Instagram as I'm talking to Colleen. 
and I was holding a book and I completely went on like Olin Mills cheese style and held the book out of her when she was taking a picture. Okay, so this one is Peter Levine. Not to be confused with Noah Levine. I was saying this is so funny. I thought they were like related or something when I had Noah on the show. I'm like, oh yeah, I know your brother, <laughs> Peter. Yeah, totally different. Um, Peter Levine, this book is called Healing Trauma, a pioneering program for restoring the wisdom of your body. And that's a really simple, sweet little book that has exercises that you can do to help make yourself feel safe. And that's like a place to start if you have PTSD. You don't feel safe if you have PTSD because you're not safe because your nervous system's running something else besides safety. But the, that's a bunch of simple little exercises you can do at home, like, you know, paying attention to your skin or looking at your hands to help your nervous system know, know that it's safe. So that's a sweet little book to have. And then there is Buddha's Brain, The Practical Neuroscience of Happiness, Love, and Wisdom by Rick Hansen. PhD with who Richard Mendius is that Richard Mendius MD he's a neurologist he's actually my neurologist who uh gave me a prescription for qigong for chronic pain and PTSD yeah I would I punch a guy in the face I know I, it's like my my addiction uh you know the doctor I used to see in San Jose Dr. Calloway I was like I can't sleep you have to give me something because I can't sleep and he prescribed me medication I mean meditation yeah. I was like I hope you said medication and no he said meditation I want to kill him well, yeah. and that, there's a lot of, the Buddha's brain, there's a lot of studies that show that um, things like meditation and yoga and mindfulness actually change your brain chemistry. So that's a, that's a really good book that talks about that. And um, the guy, Rick Hansen, he has a lot of free stuff online and podcasts and talks about it. So that's a thing you might be interested in. Cool. And then there's another Peter Levine uh, book. Oh, Jack Kornfield wrote the foreword to it. That, I love Jack Cornfield. Um, I read A Path with Heart. Ah, uh, okay. So I like that one. Um, so this is another Peter Levine one. It's called Freedom from Pain. Discover your body's power to overcome physical pain. I love these all seem to have a CD in them. Yeah. That's so cool. They do. Because sometimes I'd rather listen. Anyway, anyway, that book, um, and that's a lot of what I've learned in SE because I have a lot of cr chronic pain. And when you have PTSD or you have what's called incomplete motor programs, like you get in car accidents or somebody beats you up or you fall and you're scared and you dissociate, um, your body doesn't know that it's safe. So it keeps sending the signal that you're not safe or you get triggered. And that's what's under a lot of chronic pain sy syndromes. So things to do is like pay attention to part of your body that feels better. And that's actually my SE practitioner who I see taught me a lot. I've got chronic headaches and and paying attention to a different part of my body has been super helpful in really unwinding a lot of the pain, really right. lowering my my problems. So that's a good book with a lot of information that's easy for people to read. So, And then there is Tears to Triumph from Marianne Williamson, The Spiritual Journey from Suffering to Enlightenment. And I haven't read that book. Your mom got me that book. Of course she did. My mom is obsessed with Marianne Williamson. We both are. We listen to her all the yeah, time Yeah, I know. Now. She's awesome. I love her. And my, my mom took me to see her when I was like 13. I, I met her. Any, anyway, Mar Marianne Williamson, uh, this is about the dark night of the soul. It's a way to get out of it without uh, medicating yourself. And she talks a lot in her podcasts about 12-step programs. I don't know. She hasn't actually said she's in one. I know. you got to wonder. I see Marianne Williamson speak, and I'm like, she's got to be one of us. But I don't know. Maybe she's just she talks a friend. About, <laughs> I'm sure she talks about 12-step programs all the time um, in her lectures. So that's a, that's a great book for people who are having a real hard time. Yeah. These are all really good books. And um, 
if, if you want, so we've given people the name. We will put the pictures or we'll put the book up on the website for people to research this. Thank you so much, Colleen. This has been really enlightening. I know that I've, we've gotten emails from listeners who want to know, you know, what what if I have PTSD? How do I stay sober? And what, and what about trauma? And this is great. And this has been the first time on the show that we've actually touched this. So um, it's it's been really good to talk about somatic experience and, and um EFT and sweat lodges in their nervous system and things mm-hmm. that people can do besides drink and use to meditate. heal trauma. Do meditate. Qigong. Meditate. <laughs> I don't know what the hell Qigong is, but yeah, but, but I do meditate. I'll, I'll tell you when we're off air. Okay. Okay. I can't wait to find out as we're drinking some Bud's eggnog. Yes. Because that's what we're about to do. Thank you so much for being here, Colleen. It's been a really great week. Um, we will post pictures on the website. If you want to email us, it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com, G-O-T-O Productions.com. The phone number is 415-496-9511. You can call or text even when we're not in studio. On the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter, it's at Radio Rehab Dana. We'll see you next week. Keep coming back. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll